Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowa Cap, and we're doing it, finally, the last video response. And and uh, I, I thought I'd be sick of it. I thought I'd be like, oh, about time. But honestly, I think I'm going to miss it. And frankly, in this section, Jeff and I are at our most tired. We are exhausted by this point. And so you get some high quality freakouts going on. It's about to get great. So if you've been enjoying our audio, our, our video reactions so far, this one is going to hit a whole new level. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And, uh, and if you haven't been watching, you should go to, uh, our either, well, we, we archive it into playlists over at our YouTube channel. And so go, go there, find, uh, anarchist, the anarchist Bible study on YouTube check out our video reaction list and get caught up on this marathon response video and go check out some of our other episodes. If you're new to us. And of course, uh, if you're new to uh, our show, uh, make sure you tell someone else about it, send it, share it to someone else. Make sure you rate it and subscribe and give it a thumbs up and everything you can do to make, to make sure that we know that you love it. And tell someone else that you love it as well. And if you really like what we do and want to support us and also get access to some 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 pretty sweet benefits, go to flyover, go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. And for a dollar a month, you can get access to some uh, to our, our secret Discord server, access to the chat, which we reference reference frequently on our show. And uh, you get access to these videos long before everyone else does. Uh, and so you can uh, go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. Find it all there. And yeah, let's get into the show. Anyway, let's, I want to hear what they have to say about these. I want to hear what this uh, list of people have to do with what he's been talking about. I am fascinated as heck. Unquote. You cannot serve both God and mammon, says the good Lord. Yet there exists among us the oxymoronical notion of a liberal libertarian Catholic, even an Austrian school Catholic, with various luminaries spreading their liberalism to Catholics through articles and periodicals, speaking at conferences, being on the internet with videos, and working at various institutes. And of course, they inform us that the church somehow needs to be enlightened by them regarding the science of economics, even though the church is the very institute which developed the science of economics. In a direction that is decidedly Austrian. I think that's the point that they're making. The, the, the point that they're making, these people who are like, is that where they were... Correct me if I'm... No, don't correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. That... Uh, the whole point of Tom Woods' book, The Church and the Market, is that a turn to Austrian economics is a turn back to the roots of the church, and that it has become hijacked by the Catholic social views that um, veer socialists. And, and um, I don't know. Like, but again, like it's hard for me to care about Catholic intramural debates being not a Catholic. <laughs> um, I... 
and, and, and that's, I guess maybe that's sort of why I'm not giving such a hearty reply to this, but, uh, <laughs> but like it's, it, it's, it's, uh, I don't, I don't know. It seems like, like his whole, like there are liberal, first of all, calling them liberal libertarians. They don't call themselves that it seems silly to call them something they don't call themselves. Um, but do you really think that J.R.R. Tolkien was going throughout the Catholic Church trying to influence them to libertarianism and Austrian economics? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. We That's, barely know that he helped. Yeah, it's like, it's like a letter. Isn't, <laughs> isn't it like a letter that we have that, to his that son. talks about? Yeah, he's just to writing a letter to his son and be like, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm feeling more and more toward, uh leaning toward philosophical anarchism. Just an interesting thing right. to tell my son. You know, like like he, I mean, he didn't write any big articles on it. Like it's, it was clearly not a center point of his life. Well, and it was World War II that seems to have turned him that way. Yeah, his son was fighting in World War II, I believe. I think that's so. He had fought in World War One. His son was fighting in World War Two. Yeah. That would make me an anarchist. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but I think I don't know. I'm the the man is yeah, again, it's just like non sequitur is becoming meaningless because I'm saying it so much. But like it, it's just okay, these these men are in are trying to teach the enlighten the church with its well, shouldn't we if we if there's an aspect of culture that the church is not getting right. Shouldn't we want to enlighten it? Like just saying that we're trying to spread our views is not the same thing as a refutation. And I think that's the thing is that this whole sermon seems to fancy itself a refutation, but they've, they've not done anything except for make declarations. Like I'm longing for the days of listening to that dude who was calling Christianity incompatible with liberty. Like, at least he made an argument. It was a crappy argument, but it, he was making an argument. Like, it's just this <laughs> list. Uh, it's just, uh, it's like he's got a list of aphorism he wanted to get through. And I, 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 there's nothing. Longing for the days of biggest Iowan cat freak out to date. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm longing for that. Like, at least he's making an, at least he was making an argument. It's hard for me to get too riled up about this because it's like, there's no substance to this. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. So, so, but sorry, but the argument is, it, yeah, the argument is that, um, that the church did basically invent this discipline of economics and, um, and did, it did um, inevitably, based on that foundation, develop into the Austrian school, basically. Uh -huh. Like, um, uh, as, especially, um, yeah. So I, I don't, um, yeah, this isn't necessarily my fight either, but it is, it is like, um uh th this is this is where it does become 
somewhat doubtful that he has read like the church in the market because that's my understanding of that book as well is that is it is that it is making that argument that this is well within this um traditional stream and then obviously like i like <laughs> um uh probably an episode or two ago at this point for those watching in the future um i read from rerum novarum um so that so that uh, in the 1890s, popes are writing uh, against the rise of socialism because the church already has the resources within its traditions to be able to write against it at that point, right? So, um, which is, um, I mean, socialism really is a product of like 1848. So, so 1890s is pretty early. <laughs> 1891, I think it was, is pretty early to be writing against it. Yeah. for for the catholic church especially yeah with that not being what the catholic church typically does i mean <laughs> is the very institute which developed the science of economics the science of economics far from being an invention of adam smith in the 18th century was first hold up adam smith was not an austrian economist economist Right, but he's, he's in this, inventing economics. the science, the science of economics, which, um, which, uh, on that point, uh, on that point, Rothbard would emphatically agree that that uh, yes, um, in in fact, that's that's where he gets kind of his saltiest is in yeah. is in uh, <laughs> saying that uh, <laughs> that. Uh, um, that Smith absolutely did not invent <laughs> the science of economics. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's building off of a tradition himself. Yeah. As okay. Yeah. Which is even so, by then called classical economics. I'm fairly yeah. certain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. First systematized by scholastic Catholic theologians of the late Middle Ages, especially members believe it or not, of the Franciscan order. The church in line with the entire Western tradition, since Aristotle and many ancient men, considers economics to be partly a branch of ethics. Eth so do we. I don't, I don't understand. Like what? So do... I don't understand. Like, what? What's? What's he? What's his point yeah. here? I didn't even totally remember he said that, and I said that earlier in this video. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Everyone's always considered it a, a part of moral philosophy. I, I well, oh yeah, I well, said moral philosophy, but yeah. To be ethics. fair, like, I mean, social science. I guess they're to be more accurate. Like, that's a social science. Like, it's a study of human action of human interaction. Well, like. Well, well, no, I would say Austrian economics is a type of ethics. Um, your sort of more quantitative um, modern economics is trying to be a social science. But, but Austrian economics actually sticks more to that foundation of, Although, of being, of being uh, a, a type of I, I know it's not making ethical claims, so I guess that's no. where you're. Where, and, but and I think, but Murray Rothbard, but, or not Murray, uh, Ludwig von Mises would say that he's the one who would make the claim that economics is more of a social science than it is a moral philosophy. 
but I don't know. And, and, and I kind of see his point. I don't know. Like, it's like just saying how things work. Um, and it's, it, and I would say like the big difference between Australian economics and modern economics is really the difference between modern economics tries to turn it into a hard science. Whereas Murray Rothbard, Louis von Mises said, no, it's a soft science. It's a social science. It's a study of human action based on deductive principle. Um, and, and, and I kind of, I don't know. I kind of, I'm uh, of the opinion, but like of that opinion, but. I, and honestly, I, I'm not sure what the distinction really, I don't know, like, like, I, I like ethics to be ethics and, and, and uh, analysis to be analysis. I, I like, it's kind of like why we don't want to make social science uh, our, our, uh, our preaching points is because that should come from right. the morals and, and theology of the Bible, but social science can make an interesting there's social psychology can make a or sociology can make interesting observations on what we discover in the Bible. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I have a point here. <laughs> it's like, guys, uh, we're going to try and get through this. We got to get through yeah. this. Let's get you out of here before your chickens wake up. <laughs> yes. To be partly a branch of ethics. Ethics money towards the just exchange of goods. Economics is orientated, therefore, towards the family, which is the basic notion of society, the building block. Consider the etymology, the very word origin of the term economics. It comes from a Greek word which means household management. House law. Economics, therefore, is not just graphs, charts, supply and demand equations, but includes morality, ethics, and the church's social teaching, which always defends justice and supports the family. Um, economics is more than bar, uh, graphs and theorems. Yeah, um, if you read the Austrian economists, they would have agreed with you on that. Um, but I think there is a usefulness of pulling economics out of the realm of value. I, I think there is a usefulness to it because it's it at least methodological. Yeah, yeah, and, but but also like it's a lot. Like I, I like this. What well, part of the things that I love about. Austrian economics is it takes it out of the realm of numbers and graphs and puts it into the realm of logic of deductive logic, which I think is more useful as a discipline. And so, but also put what I like about it is that it is a value free. And so it's, it's just trying to say, this is the way the world works. And I think there's a value to letting economics be economics and let uh, morality be morality because there's a point at which I can say economically you can make an argument for something and say like, you know, maybe it is better for the flourishing of society if we allow for, for uh, prostitution and sex work. But 
at that point, I would say there's more important things than economic flourishing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think there's a, there's a point at which like he's missing the fact that this is what the Austrian economists are doing because he's, because he has no, I, he has no idea what Austrian economics is. That's really what it ultimately comes down to. He's criticizing something he doesn't understand. Like they would say in the end, like, yeah, like you said, like they would say, here's what happens when you pass a minimum wage law. Do you like these effects? Is this something that you want? Like, here's the good, the bad, the positive, the negative. Is this worth it? That is when you move into the realm of morality, in which case, yes, I agree with him that the family is a building block of society. You know who else is moving in the direction of agreeing with him? Hans Hermann Hoppe, the student of Murray right. Rothbard. Like, right. like the, the, libertarians don't disagree with you when you say, you know, like we, we uh, methodological individualists, yes, but that family structures and even like social structures of, of uh, small communities are really where it all starts. And, and uh, well, and if families are the basic yeah. building block of society, then where do you come off? Uh, where where do you where do you get off um, legislating within the family unit, determining um, whether, say, the child can work, for yeah, instance? Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. That should be between a father and a child. I think my son at age 13 is ready to go into the workforce. I think he's mature enough for it. I think he's, you know, like, like, why not? Why can't I do that? Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's a good point. Um, yeah, we're getting so close. Regarding the church's competence in economic matters, which people dismiss, the church must no, they don't. That's why Tom Woods wrote a book called The Church and the Market. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the, they don't dismiss the, the the role of the church in economics. He wrote a whole book about it. Like... Certainly J.R.R. Tolkien doesn't. Like, <laughs> certainly, like... <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, like he, he's criticizing Austrian economics and libertarian... Uh, libertarians catholic libertarians that was tom woods's whole point of writing a book was to say no we should not discount the catholic church's role in developing economic thought and really that the austrian school is continuing the economic thought developed by the church and okay <laughs> might refrain from discussing things like the mechanics of economics might not talk about price theory, but since economics is mainly a moral thing. If you're not going to talk about price theory, then you're useless. Like there are prices. Like I'm sorry, like, like your economics is useless if it's not going to talk about price theory. There, there are prices. And if we don't understand how they work, then what are we doing? Like you're, you're, it's again, it's this uninformed empathy. This idea of, of 
of of, of caring for someone, and but it doesn't matter that you care. What matters is that what you do with your care is actually hurting them. You're shoving sticks underneath the tor underneath the turtle, and the turtle's just trying to lay its eggs. It, you're not helping if you don't have a price theory. If you don't have an understanding of the way prices work, the way prices send signals to the market, you are not useful. Like, it doesn't matter if you're, whatever you call justice, if your justice kills people, it's not helpful. Right? Right. That would be like saying, um, the church has a theory of sailing. Now, many will dismiss the church's theory of sailing because it says nothing about which direction a ship will go when the wind is blowing a certain direction. I'm like, it's like, it's like we, how, do, how can your theory of sailing not include that? Like, and, and of course, I don't think, I don't think it's true that uh, the church's uh, theory of economics doesn't include a price theory. But, I but think this... were it to include a price theory, it would complicate his analysis. <laughs> it, but... it, would, it would make it harder for him to make his points. Can someone define for me the church in this situation? Like this, okay, this is a sticking point. Is What does he mean by the church's economic theory? Does he mean the teaching of the magisterium? In which case, what are they doing developing an economic theory? Right. That is not the gospel. Well, I mean, technically, technically the magisterium uh, administrates a nation. So I suppose, I, <laughs> I, I suppose but, that creates its own issues. But, but that's, that's the thing. Like, uh, I, I, if someone found out that my that the pastors of our church, the elders of our church, were sitting around writing up an economic document, This they would rightly say this is an abdication of our duty to focus on the gospel. So it really shouldn't be my job to develop an economic theory. My my job should be to focus on on the preaching the the proclamation of the word and prayer, as 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 Acts seven says. That should be the, the development of economic theory should happen within the context of the church, insofar as we're saying believers should be developing economic theories. People in, informed by a biblical worldview. And, but, but should the church really be developing? Uh, should the church really be developing an economic theory? Uh, we should be developing a very, I think we should be developing a moral philosophy of, of, of money, but we should also be very humble in as far in how far we go in that and to say like, to say like we see ground to our brothers who are doing work in economics from a Christian worldview. It's kind of like saying like that 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 our church the church should develop a psychological analysis of 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 the brain but like no we focus on sin we focus on law and the gospel and we're going to let psychologists tell us how the brain works we're going to let neuroscientists tell us how the brain works we're going to let them 
focus on that. But, but if there's some insight from there that's going to help us to preach the gospel better and to affirm moral philosophy better, like we'd be foolish not to plunder the Egyptians. Right? And especially if it's being developed by specifically Christian worldview-centered people. Does, does that make sense? Yes. And in as much as he's talking about, as he's referring to the church as the medieval scholastics and the and the theorists working at Catholic institutions today, then then they absolutely should be doing this and they absolutely need they absolutely need a price theory or else they're not really engaging the field. Yes. Yes. And they're not really engaging what is necessary. Like, even if we're talking about household economics, well, we need to know what the value of something is, what determines a value. When when a when a housewife goes to the grocery store store, she's better served by understanding how prices work than if she's just going in blind and being like, "They're gouging the prices." Well, you're, it's it's not going to help you make a wiser decision if you don't understand how price theory works. Like even if we're going to go back to the building block of the family, a, a price theory helps us to to better manage the household e economics. And and again, there's something of a, again, there's something of a genetic fallacy in this, of saying, see, oikonomia originally meant house law. Like, yeah, that's not what it means anymore. When we talk about right. the discipline of economics, we're not talking about that anymore. It's changed meanings. Uh, you can go back and talk about household economics, uh, you can re regain that philosophy and you can go back to talking about it, but it's going to have nothing to say when we talk about the modern philosophy of economics. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's kind of like how any, or anytime you, you hear some, uh, some new fresh out of seminary student talking about the four different kinds of love and how this, right. uh, this informs this passage. Well, that's that's great from a classical Greek perspective. You're right, but that has nothing to do with the text that stands in front of us. The, by the time the New Testament was written, the four meanings of love had largely been flattened out to just mean love. Phileo means love. Agape means love. Like eros kind of carried its its older meaning in a sense, but you know, like Certainly largely at least as a connotation. Largely, phileo and agape are used as synonyms in the New Testament. And even in the LXX, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. This is, it, it's, it's great. That's the, that is what the word meant once upon a time. But that's not what we mean today. And you need to deal with what we mean today if you're going to criticize it. Like you can't, it, going back to what it originally meant is irrelevant to what it means today. You're not, you can't criticize uh, the modern, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's useless going back to the original definition when that's clearly not what we're talking about today. You can see how that developed, how, how house law eventually becomes 
you know, because house law is really talking about how the house runs, which includes purchasing things for the household, which ends up talking about how purchasing in the market works. And eventually you get to the point where you're talking about economic principles like we talk about it today. But it's it's it does no good to pine for the old days when it meant something different when it means something different. Today. Well, it's possible that economic even came to mean like a division of labor. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and so house law is in who does what within the household right. comes to mean division of right. labor gets applied oh, even to yeah. things like the economic, economic Trinity. Um, yeah. And, uh, which is to say the, the yeah. division of labor, if you will, within the Trinity. Yeah. Um, and then, and then kind of develops its modern meaning from that, that basically they're, they're, they're talking about what we would now call the division of labor. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, and that's what it came to mean. And that's how it came to have the meaning that we would yeah. use use of it today. Okay. That would be my guess that, that based on sense. what I know of its ancient uses. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But it really leaves us with like just pining for an old days that have long passed and who bought and why bother? thousands of years have happened in, be in between that right. like it's just we have we're dealing with this now i don't know the popes are indeed able to speak on such matters with the full weight and authority of their including francis Teaching office. I wonder where the sermon was. No law of <laughs> economics can trump the church's moral teaching immoral greedy behavior cannot be excused by the claim that one is following simply the laws of economics, even though it might be opposed to the Ten Commandments. And no one would ever say that. Like, again, like, this is, goes back to the fact that Austrian economics is a value-free science. Is, is that they would say, okay, this is the way it works out. However, we do know that there are trade-offs uh, in other areas. You might make a economically... Like, like, okay, so like, let's just say it. Okay, it makes sense to make yourself more um, rootless in order to move around to get the best job possible, to make more mm -hmm. money, or even let's, let's move into my area of, uh, of work to get to the bigger churches, which has more freeing time and more freeing money. But there are other considerations involved. I am not rootless. I have children. I am, and I'm. I'm not interested in finding the biggest church possible. I'm not interested in finding the most money in the ministry possible. I would rather be faithful in a small congregation. I love small congregations, and I want to be part of one. So it's an. I am subverting an economic principle for other purposes. It doesn't mean that the economic principle is evil. I just have other concerns. And, and 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 no one ever said that that's not true. Like this he again it's clear that he's read the Wikipedia article for I'm actually it's not even clear that he's read the Wikipedia article for Austrian economics but like he's he he has no he doesn't have a working definition of what it means. Um he really just has no idea. And if you're going to preach against something, you better understand it. Otherwise, you're shouting in the wind. It's a nice, it's a nice uh, straw man you built there. It's going to do you no good to fight it, though.
and and I I I do think it 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 is interesting. I, I am now interested as to when this was preached, which the publication date of the video doesn't necessarily indicate when it was originally preached, um, because if he's super concerned about the turn to libertarianism among Catholics, while you have a Pope being presented with a crucifix of Jesus on a, uh, on a hammer and sickle, and he's willingly accepting that kind of iconography, he's hanging out with openly Marxist theologians. Like if, if you're really concerned with the creeping libertarianism in the Catholic church while all, while, while Frankie's running around, then, then we've got a, then, then, then I guess I know where he's coming from. Like he's just, he, he leans a little Marxist at least like, because that's the only way that could possibly be your chief concern with this Pope at this time. At least I can't see how, (laughs) um, but, um, but yeah, anyway, it's, uh, um, yeah, if, if Francis is the Pope, but you're more worried about Tom Woods, then, then I don't know. What, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Let's see. Well, I think we can get this done. Let's do it. I think so. So, for example, no law of economics can possibly justify the way Scrooge treated Bob Cratchit, the family man. Uh, it can if he's doing Bob Cratchit a favor by giving him money at all. Yet it seems that libertarians, i.e. liberals from the Austrian school, cite economic law precisely in defense of Scrooge. The church has been very promote. It seems like a, a weak argument to try and make it based on literature. Uh, that's not real life. Like he ha- Does he know that Dickens is not real life? I feel like he has to know that Dickens is not real life. <laughs> Uh, this documentary I saw called The Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's it doesn't make sense. Okay, like this it, for for one thing. Like again, we've said it before. Dickens had a very distinct purpose in writing that book, and so it doesn't seem wise to quote that book uh, for the purpose of proving your point. Let's point to real life if you're going to point to anything. Of Scrooge. The church has been very promoting of the free enterprise system. The church has always defended the principle of subsidiarity, where preference is for local authorities to decide matters versus main centralized bureaucracies. Which is called libertarianism. I, I don't see what the issue here is. In addition, the church has defended the notion of private property, one of the great defenders of private property, but while not forgetting that the earth was ultimately given to us all. Okay. Um, note that <laughs> note that he is basically doing rerum novarum in reverse. He right. says, he says, the church defends private property, but that doesn't negate the fact that God gave the earth to us all. Rerum Navarum says it exactly the other way around. Yeah. 
<laughs> that yes the that god gave the earth to us all and that doesn't negate private property <laughs> yes and yes. i i think there's a reason <laughs> yeah. for yeah. the difference of direction there yeah. To private property, but while not forgetting that the earth was ultimately given to us all. Furthermore, the church has always promoted free enterprise within the due limits, the moral limits of her social teaching. In fact, St. Bernardine of Siena, a Franciscan, the father of economics, defended entrepreneurship. Merchants serving society by manufacturing, distributing goods to consumers, and even making profits. Nothing wrong with that. Can be very good, in fact. How did he not just defend Austrian economics? I... Read what you're criticizing, people. Read what you're criticizing. Like, this is... This is embarrassing. Like, this is seriously embarrassing. Like, you... If he just read what he's criticizing, this whole thing could have been an email. Like, <laughs> it, honestly, like, this is... That's a really embarrassing thing. Is like, If you're not going to study what you're criticizing, like, then then, then what are you doing? The, it's This is like the definition of this, this homily could have been an email. Like, let's, okay, libertarians, just remember that you got to be moral. You could have kept it to that because you don't actually disagree with anything that they're saying. Like, I'm going to be really frustrated if he doesn't mention anarchism once. Because that seems like the only criticism you could... Duh. Okay, let's keep... Let's, let's just... Okay. We're finishing it. The church, therefore, is not some sort of uninformed being or entity regarding the concerns of libertarians. We know there's problems with Big Brother and government overreach and government overregulation. But the Austrian school's peculiar contributions, if you could call that. Uh, by the by, let's just point out um, that Murray Rothbard, 1926 to 1995, Let's count how many of these people died before 1926. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that Murray Rothbard could not have been the founder of the Austrian school based on the graphic that the person who made this video found. <laughs> yeah. 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 And of course, you know, there's there's our, our, our friend Carl Manger. Very important. Um, but like... And that, uh, yeah, I don't care. I, I've just, I, I, for one thing, I love this graphic. By the way, I love, I love that it, it points out the bigger picture of, of uh, Austrian economics. Um, and what's great too is like you've got figures on here who disagree with each other. You've got like yeah. uh, Von Weiser and correct. I think I'm correct on this. Von Von Weiser, Von Weiser, whatever. And Carl Menger, uh, I think, came to different came to disagreements uh, in places, and uh, you know, I, I know for a fact that Hazlitt and Murray Rothbard disagreed in some places. Uh, Hayek and and uh, Rothbard definitely disagreed in places. Um, oh, for sure. Like like we're not talking about a a monolithic thing. Like there was, it was just an attempt to apply 
the principles of human action and, and uh, we did some research. And Schumpeter also, and Rothbard. Yeah, Schumpeter um, and Rothbard, yeah. Uh, Roth, Rothbard kind of savages Schumpeter in his uh, history of economic thought, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, uh, yes, yeah, uh, Patrick in the chat says, what about uh, uh, Roman Catholic Church overreach? We know that's never happened. Absolutely. Patrick did also offer, he said, fine, I'll take the job as Pope for the team. So yeah, we, we appreciate uh, your sacrifice. Go to go to so go to buymeacoffee.com slash uh make Patrick Pope. There we go. Or just go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. It's all going into the same account anyway. We're we'll we'll get it to eventually, I swear. <laughs> are we are we allowed to pay off the college of cardinals from the slash flyover <laughs> account? I, I I'm not sure I've got the rules. You know, you know, it's fluid. It's all fluid. It's all fluid. I said, I, I said, I had personal projects. You know, maybe that's one of them. <laughs> Money's liquid, baby. Uh, <laughs> pop that white smoke for Patrick. <laughs> oh, let's keep it. Keep on. That are nothing but liberal errors. The libertarian error of dividing public from private morality. Well, I'm pro-life in private, but I don't want to impose my pro-life views on others in public. That's a that's not libertarianism. Like that's that's actually party. That's but... Catholic Democrats. No, he went there. He went there. But but that's like. It's true. Like I, I think that's not necessarily libertarianism. In fact, again, like we would push back and say you can't be pro pro life privately and pro choice publicly. Um, that 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 whole private public morality thing, like that's not libertarianism. Like if you, I I challenge you to find a place where Murray Rothbard defended that sort of thing. Like he would say that there's a line between legal morality and non-legal morality in the sense of morality that can be legally um uh defined like what what is willing what you're what are you willing to use uh force on and also let me point out that i agree with whoever made this video that this banner is stupid agreed this is the stupidest banner and the libertarian party should be ashamed uh, that this has ever been part of it, and uh, and and we are not pro-choice on everything. That is, that and also like, can can people on the outside finally agree? Like, just acknowledge that we have an in-house debate on this. There's a fight on this. We are arguing on this, and you know where that fight is also taking place? Frickin' America. So we're just a microcosm of what's going on in this country, that we are fighting about this issue. And, and there's a not insignificant amount of us who think that, uh, who think that pro-life, that pro-choice policy is completely incompatible with libertarianism. And we are willing to fight to end that platform. 
is happening. Um, but you know, it doesn't. Rome isn't built in a day. We have to. We have to work. We have to organize uh, in the same way that the pro-life movement in America has to organize against Roe v. Wade and against the onslaught of pro-abortion policies on the federal level. Like it's, it's. We're working on it. Dang it! Stop. <laughs> like. Uh, I don't know. And of course, Patrick points out the second worst uh, saying for the Libertarian Party is uh, socially liberal, fiscally conservative. But, but Get in I, I don't, again, I don't know how long ago this, this sermon was preached, but le- assuming it was preached today, <laughs> this would be like in 1991 saying, did you know that the Southern Baptist Convention is pro-choice? It's like, okay, but like, not really like it's a big fight and the conservatives are about to win so yes. cool your jets and yeah and, and, and i really I like think that believe, that's kind of i'm sorry i like to believe that's what's happening right now that we're about I, to I really i really think i really think that that's what's happening right now in the libertarian party it's like yeah, yeah it's a big fight right now and and the good guys are about to win so just yeah just cool it. <laughs> yeah um yeah we're on it yeah yeah patrick the pro-life camp is only to keep the republican in office even when they're not relevant or useful yeah yeah absolutely so you know libertarian message the erroneous errors that what is done between consenting adults is always okay we did not say that we just said that you can't legally throw someone in prison for what is done between legal between consenting adults that's all we said do you want to throw homosexuals in prison you're gonna go on record about that are you gonna go on record about the fact that you want to throw adulterers into prison like if you want to go on record with that good for you for holding the line and being consistent but i doubt you're willing to hold the line on that that's all we've ever said is that they should not be thrown in prison because they're free and yes, the error of the absolute right to private property. What other option do you have? What if it's not absolute? If if, the, if you're saying the church has defended private property, but then you're saying that the right to private property is not absolute. Like what? what when can I be stolen from, this, my man? Like when can I be stolen from? Like what you're right. saying? If you're saying that that private property is not absolute then when am I allowed to be stolen from? Like, you you better be able to answer that question. When is it permissible for me to be stolen from? When the other person really needs it? Like, can they walk in, if, if someone is poorer than me, can they just walk into my house at any time and take my TV? Because they're really poor. Like, is that really the, the type of, of peaceful society? that the Catholic Church is going to push for. I, I just, I don't know what the alternative to absolute private property is. What you're saying is, the, the alternative is, there are situations at which it is legitimate for me to be stolen from. There are situations in which the Sixth Commandment doesn't apply. He, he talked about the, he did talk about the Decalogue earlier. That is in the Decalogue. That, 
thou shalt not steal. You shall not steal. That implies that I have an absolute right to my property. You cannot take from me. Unless you're going to make an exception and say there are situations in which the sixth commandment doesn't apply. That was a mini freak out. It wasn't a full one. <laughs> the error that only legitimate purpose of law is to prevent the physical invasion of another's rights and the what that is literally the only use of law R rights comes from the the latin oh, sorry you're catholic you have no right not to understand latin it comes from the latin word rect which rectitude which comes from the word for righteousness which that is rights rights are legal like that is what legal that's what rights means law sh yeah of course law only exists to defend your rights that's what they mean you catholic you should understand latin bro isn't that like your language isn't that your thing Bring it home, bro. The error that goes so far is to call for the total abolition of the state in favor of anarchy. Which yeah, I'm fine with that. There you go. You, you, you got your you anarchy just, mentioned. You're going to state it. You're going to state it. You better argue against it. You better make an argument. You better make an argument, bro. And if your argument is Romans 13, I'm, I'm, I'm shutting this down. I'm shutting the whole screen down. <laughs> Which, by the way, is the same goal, ultimately, and future dream of Marxist communists. No, it's not. No, it's not. There's a reason it's never actually happened. It's not actually their goal. It's, it's, it's impossible. It's not, okay, it's, it's, it's not a possible goal. And who's this dude? I don't, whatever. But that, that's not the actual goal of Marx. They, they say it in theory, but we know what happens every single time. The goal of Marxism is not is 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 anarchy in name only, but Marxist anarchy will never work because it is built upon a unstable foundation of common usage of everything. They the reason Marxist anarchy will never work is because it is not built on the biblical philosophy of absolute private property. Private property, exactly. Yeah. It will never work. It will always fall apart. It is unstable because there is no line between mine and yours. And there, so there will always be fight fights over scarce resources. It's a reality. You can, you can pontificate against scarcity all you want, but it exists. You have to deal with it. And I'm surprised you don't know the noted Marxist anarchist, Henry VIII. <laughs> is that who this is? <laughs> That's who this is, and 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 I I make that joke just to point out that this is the fifth or sixth time that you've that you've paused at the right point at the end of a point, and then and then you've been like, and now what's on the screen has nothing to do with what he just said <laughs> because he's just bouncing around so much. The points have no connection to each other, exactly. so he's about to talk about Henry VIII. So there's a picture of Henry VIII on the screen, but it's oh, like, boy. but it's like. But but he just talked about anarcho-Marxism, and, and before that it was 
about how private property is an absolute and and now it's like it's uh, it's so it, it's it's there it's it's just like i i do think he wrote this down it sounds like sounds like he probably wrote this down although there are a couple spots where i um uh where i'm not sure um but but it's like it's not well crafted in in like driving to one point (laughs) it's so stream of consciousness like it's it's unhelpful like uh, there's nowhere to hang my hat like there's nothing to hook into (sighs) communists although it is debated the historical origins of capitalism as we know it at least happened in england in the 16th century under the reign of Henry VIII. In short, Henry and the government of England stole, took over the land and wealth of all the Catholic monasteries. There was now lots of capital. Henry then handed over much of the monastic property to various nobles and barons in exchange for giving him political support. You can- And you wonder why we hate the state. That's not capitalism. That's not capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? He gets done saying, like, can you believe they are calling for the abolition of the state? Now, here's a terrible thing the state did once. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just... What is happening? What is happening? This is insanity. This is... <laughs> what? And by the by, I mean, we're talking about, this is a church, this is a church that largely exists because the state that had so long supported it functionally collapsed and decentralized yep. radically and your church did pretty well my dude like (laughs) your church did pretty well with a major major state collapse and radical decentralization to the point of almost what we would call anarchy yeah and of course to what you said to to, to your point uh that's a capitalism like what are you, what are you right. meaning? Capitalism. Capitalism is the private ownership of goods. This is not the or private ownership of capital. This is not the private ownership of capital. Like I, I am dumbfounded. Uh, but it's just uh, oh, let's keep going. We're almost done. This the the nightmare is almost over. Cannot serve both God and Mammon. What is it? So Henry the state. And the nobility chose mammon. It is said that Henry and his son Edward VI redistributed one quarter of the entire national wealth of England, all at the expense of the peasants and common men who often worked on that monastic land. To whom? To who? Who did they say? Who did he say that he redistributed the land to? Who did? Who did he give it to? Was it to the people? Entrepreneurs, was it to, was it, oh, it was to the nobility. Oh, so there's the state rewarding the state uh, for, for 
Loyalty. Oh. Okay. <laughs> and and would it have been better, by the way, if he had seized all that land and then given it away to the people who worked the land? Would that have made it more moral? Right. That's a good question. Like, if he had taken it from the Catholic Church, who, oh, taken it from the Catholic Church, who were the landowners employing workers, if he had taken it from them and given it to the workers, which you say, hey, you know, laborers, taken from the laborers, taken from the laborers, and they were they were profiting off the laborers, the ch Catholic Church was, because they were selling goods, it wasn't a non-profit industry. Was it, would it have been better? Would it have been more moral if they had done it that way? That's a great question. I have a feeling we're not going to get an answer to that. Uh, we're probably going to get just get more conflation with capitalism and, and uh, statism. Pat, Patrick points out that at least in that case, they uh, were engaging in uh, the actual selling of goods and, and production of things, as opposed to just, you know, Tetzel going around and, and committing fraud. Yep. Yep. He's probably not going to bring that up, isn't he? Is he? That's the church working, too. This is the history of capitalism as we know it. Namely, powerful states enriching wealthy elites in exchange for support, and it continues to this day. That's why we chose libertarianism! <laughs> that's, that's what we... This is what we're talking about. This, this, what is happening? What, what is going on? What is just this, this, like this, this freestyle priest just like flipping ideas around? Like, it just, do you not see? Uh, and I love, on? I love that he started this whole, this whole little section with. It's hotly debated, but the. The origins of capitalism are with Henry VIII, and then goes right. into this. It's like hotly debated. That's like that. And then by the end, we're confident in the solution. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, but uh, um, uh, but that's like the Paul Krugman. Well, it's debatable, but like that, that's like that's like his his sort of weasel words. It's like <laughs> like it's debatable, but means. I'm the only one who really believes this, but but here goes. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is just this is pure insanity. This the logical leaps that this man is making is just okay. So can you believe that libertarians want to even abolish the state? Still, so let's talk about how terrible the state has been throughout the years. That's why we <laughs> want to abolish it. <laughs> So it stops taking land from the church. So it stop, whether it's from your church or from my church, so it stops putting bars around churches. So it stops locking and taking away the keys from the rightful owners of churches. So it stops shutting down churches and telling them they can't worship anymore. So it stops taking land and taking your sons and your daughters and sending them off to war. This is why we want to end the state. Like, what do you mean? It's a, like, like it's so outrageous of a concept that we should want to take the great tyrant who has destroyed God's people, who has more than anyone in history gone after them. And, and, and the, the greatest persecutor of the church is states, secular states, and, and you're like, why can, can you believe they want to end the state? You should know why we want to end the state. 
You have just told us why we should want to end the state. It's, it's just, I'm, I'm flummoxed. I'm flabbergasted. I'm. Uh, <sighs> I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't even put words together. The, oh, okay. Let's fi finish it. Let's get it done. <laughs> let's just get it done. <laughs> I should have gone for a shorter video. <laughs> oh. This has probably been best for content, though. <laughs> oh, boy. Certainly in terms of raw amount of content. <laughs> but, oh. but I would say even for quality, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's keep going. In his wonderful book, The Church and the Libertarian, which I highly recommend, the traditional Catholic author, Christopher Ferrara, rightly claims that the libertarians are living in a dream world regarding the notion of some pristine, pure, Eden-like liberal capitalism, which has never existed. No one ever claimed that. Like, this is, once again, this, this idea, like, that everybody always comes at us like we're utopians. Like, we, no, we're, we are realists. We aren't utop utopianism is believing there's some way we can ban greed. Utopianism is is believing <laughs> there's some magical realm in which people stop being uh, power mongers and greed mongers. We're saying we are looking for the best way possible to channel greed in pro-social ways. Like, like it's we're not utopian at all. We acknowledge there will still be murder, there will still be theft, there will still be uh, petty tyrants trying to control each other. They, that will always exist. You're the one who believes that we can just pass the right laws that we can find the perfect society. Like that's your position. Your position is we're just the we're just one right law away from banning sexual immorality. Like we're just one law away from ending the love of mammon like like that's your position is that we can get just the right amount of states that it stops taking our land and and telling us what to do and telling us that we have to live morally degenerate and undermining the family and like we we just we have just the right amount of state that is going to not do that it's going to promote the good like that's utopianism this idea that the state is going to suddenly, out of nowhere, start acting differently than it has throughout its entire history. That's utopian. There, there is no... Right, there's no... Right, just vote just vote harder, Padre, uh, Patrick says. And, and it's, it's, there's, there's... This accusation of, of utopianism, we have no v concept of utopianism. We think this is the best way to channel... The fact that humans are always going to be fallen creatures. And, by the way, it's based on God's word. It's beneficial. Um, you're the one who's got fantasies that if we just... That there's just enough private property. Like, whatever that is. Uh, yeah, okay rather historical Adam Smith capitalism 
was the result of government confiscations, interventions, and bestowal of economic advantages upon the wealthy. Which is not Austrian economics. It's not libertarianism. Like, okay. The only liberal capitalism that has ever existed in the modern age is the alliance of capitalists with the state, what we would call a corporatism. And that alliance continues to this very... Which libertarians oppose vehemently. We call it fascism. Exactly. Yeah. We call it fascism. We're against it. And uh, we're against it consistently. Uh, in fact, you know how you can stop uh, the alliance between wealthy business owners and the state? Get rid of the state. Every day. <laughs> to conclude, a true capitalist is one who wishes that the Bob Cratchits of this world would somehow participate and get a better job because there's more options in society than just working for mean old Scrooge. That's what the true capitalist wants. The true capitalist wants Bob Cratchit to have options for employment. That's what you're going to say, right? In ownership of private property and ownership of their means of production. Which is not absolute. Where are you going with this, dude? Like, where are you going with this? Like, let's let's back it up. Let him say the whole thing. Here's but, where I suddenly thought he was trying to advocate distributionism, which was Chesterton's try attempt to have like a middle way. Um, and and but I I don't I don't think that's really where he's going either. I just I really don't know. You know what the problem is? He doesn't have a political philosophy. He has he has none. He's clearly just flailing um, because he wants the Catholic Church to give the Catholic Church magisterium to give him exactly the right answer. And they're and they're not going to do that. That's not their job. I... Capitalist is one who wishes that the Bob Cratchits of this world would somehow participate in ownership of private property and ownership of their means of production. I don't know what he's saying there. I'm not even going to try and piece that apart, but I do want to point out that he has officially quoted, uh, the, he has officially quoted the night before Christmas more than the Bible. <laughs> True. Just going to point that out. If we would uh, support Christmas participation Carol, Christmas Carol, you mean. Oh, in sorry, the political... Sorry, sorry, not the night before Christmas, sorry. <laughs> the Christmas Carol, yes, yes. But you know, I, of both course, are equally I, of course, fictional. While we're correcting, I, of course, meant distributism not distributionism which right distribution. i don't know what right, that would right, be right, right. distributism <laughs> uh yeah production if we would support participation in the political process for many then why not support participation by as many people as possible in the economic process to pair we do I don't understand what he what he what is he talking about? Like, that's what we're talking about when we say free when we see say a free market, the free exchange of good that everyone is involved in the voluntary process of of sharing capital. Like that's that I I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know. Like, does he mean like that Bob Cratchit should be given a slice of land, and he should just we should take it from other people? Like, who do we take it from? 
Who who do we have the right to rob? Like is that is that what he's talking about? That everyone should have the have land, whether they have the money to buy it or not. You're taking away everyone's incentive to work and to increase their their station in, in the hopes that one day they can buy themselves a plot of land. In fact, the the most beautiful, the truly most capitalistic experience experiment is the United States of America, where to this day you can. By a plot of land. That wasn't always true in Europe. In fact, it was all owned by nobles, so you couldn't buy plots of land. You couldn't increase your station. You were dependent on the the the, the wealthy capitalist, the wealthy banker, the, the wealthy noble, because there was no possible there was no dream of owning your own land. You would always rent, you would always be a tenant. But in the United States, there was this 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 capitalistic, call it classical liberal experiment that we actually could, a, a man could go out and stake his own plot of land. He could homestead his own land. We even took that, land, that language from Locke. And so more people, more families, more men as the head of the household had an opportunity to take part in the, the economic uh, process than ever before in this free market laissez-faire world. This is the closest to laissez-faire that we've ever gotten. And as such, it has resulted in the most economic flourishing and moral flourishing in history. The church did very well in the United States. Continues to do very well, despite the fact that we've gone on hard times. Uh, But we're better off than socialist Europe. Okay, he's about to quote Teddy Roosevelt, I'm assuming. Uh, uh, no, this is Chesterton. This is Chesterton, okay. In the economic process. To paraphrase the great Catholic journalist G.K. Chesterton, the problem with too much capitalism, that is too much concentration of wealth in the hands of a few, is that at least too few capitalists. But as for the Agreed. libertarian... Agreed! So it smashed the state. I agree. So end the state. Who? How are they able to to, to retain their monopolistic privilege uh, of ownership? It's because they have allied themselves with the state. So get rid of the state, and this whole system collapses. They have to compete on the same footing as anyone else. And are they going to do well? Is the fat cat going to do well? And also, Patrick, I, I agree with you. I'm also for supporting less people in the political system. Uh, only property owners, please. Actually, I, if we're going to have a political system, you should have a stake in the game. I'm going to say that. I, that. And I think the property owner only makes sense. But honestly, I, I'm going to go further than this than this priest is going. And I'm going to say I want more people involved in the economic process than they are involved in the political process. I want less people voting and more people starting businesses. That's what I want. That's absolutely <laughs> what I want. And that's why I'm a libertarian, Padre. Few capitalists. But as for the libertarian, they don't want that. We want capital and economic opportunity spread as far as possible in order to create as many capitalities spread. They don't want that. We would want capital and economic opportunity spread as far as possible in order to create as many capitalists as you possibly can. 
But as for libertarian, they embrace a liberalism which supports pure self-interest and even greed. Libertarianism is just plain old liberalism under another name. And liberalism has always been condemned by the church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The nightmare is over. Oh my gosh. So that's why that kind of the end is why I think he, I, I is why I did think he, he must be some sort of a distributist, but Certainly I don't, I don't even know. Suggestions. That's what I get for not watching any YouTube on our uh, flyover channel. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> just had to say something about that, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. You were saying this distributism. Yeah, I mean that. So that that bit at the end is why I I thought he must be leaning in that in that direction. But but I I like I don't get I don't get how that fits with all the stuff that came before it. I don't get how he makes that work. But it does seem like I guess I guess that must be his his position. Um, you're right. He seems to largely be without a political philosophy. Um, and not to understand what he's critiquing very well. Um, and, and so maybe he thinks distributism is the solution to that. Um, but he, yeah, it's very hard to see where he's coming from. Um, otherwise, like, um, well, either way, either way, either, um, because the idea would be um the idea of distributism even would be its own kind of radical decentralization it would be um so uh, you need a pretty powerful state at least at first to extract like i don't think distributism works but but in as much as it did um you'd need a a pretty powerful state at first to extract capital from the capitalists um and uh, which would which would after all be a great act of theft tantamount to henry the eighth's probably greater um <laughs> and um and um, um and then um and then I don't know I don't know Georgism well enough to know whether um, whether that might be where he's trying to go here um, or mutualism I don't know if I, like I, I I but no it, it no I do know mutualism well enough to know that's not that can't be compatible with what he's saying here so I don't know Georgism well enough to know yeah. if that might be where he's going it's like it's hard for me to know without him ever saying like the only sort of boys he quote wouldn't agree with each other on this. He quotes Chesterton near the end. Chesterton did develop this, uh, this uh, distributism um, to try to uh, after rerum novarum, in fact, to try to make to try to make make it work and <laughs> make um, make a more um, 
to try to find a middle way between capitalism and socialism now that socialism was completely closed <laughs> off <laughs> to yeah. a to a catholic by rerum navarum so yeah anyway yeah it's I'm mean, it's it's kind of it's hard to argue with anything in this video because there's nothing coherent like there's nothing coherent about it and so um Like, yeah, like, okay, distributism sounds great. Like, let's get as many people involved in the economic process as possible. Like you said, it's a massive act of theft on the on account of, uh, on behalf of the federal government. And then, once that government takes power, it's going to willingly and mercifully give up its power because that's and decentralize. What yeah. states do. <laughs> right. Every single time. A state I, I I mean if I had if I had a nickel for every time uh a state willingly gave up power. <laughs> right? It's just it it doesn't it just happens all the time. It's just it's a pipe dream. This is utopian. This is utopian. We do. We don't think this is going to be a perfect society. We don't think it's going to be even like I, I even sometimes wonder if it is actually possible. But we're saying it is a lot less wild than this idea that the state will willingly limit itself. There are like two people in history who have willingly given up power this way, Cincinnatus and George Washington. <laughs> um, we can name both of them <laughs> because, <laughs> because it is so rare. And even in their cases, the state just chugged along without them. Like yep. <laughs> Rome did not decentralize and become smaller when Cincinnatus went back to his cabbages. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, uh, the United States um, did not decentralize and become smaller when when Washington handed off power to John Adams, who immediately passed like the Alien and Sedition Acts, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, um, and I believe uh, immediately brought in tariffs and just just pick your uh, pick your terrible uh, pick it's, your terrible policies. It's so. so and it's in the insanity of the way he, he 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 first he he conf he conflates state uh statism corporatism with capitalism and then later he says we want more capitalists so is capitalism statism or not like i don't it's well it's yeah and he's basically saying this this corporatism scourge that he's conflating with capitalism, we want to use the exact same methods, which is the state seizing property, but we want to give it to different people, which is not a, a million miles away from what the French Revolution did, by the way. How well did that work out? Yep, yep. 
I mean, I misstated that. The French Revolutions, yeah. <laughs> because it just kept rolling. Uh, and honestly, peace and harmony was not the result. That looks more like a communist revolution than what the libertarian anarchist is calling for. This of idea, of, like, that's more like a communist revolution. Like this idea of of everyone has a proper tip from each to each according to his need, from each according to his ability, right? Like that's, is that what we're talking about here? Like that no one, uh, pure egalitarianism. Is that what we're talking about here? Hierarchical Catholic, Catholic church, right? Is that, are we talking about egalitarianism? Priest, are you willing to give up your, your seat to the congregational, uh, the, the, the non, uh, to the laity? Is that, is that you gonna you gonna get down in the muck there? You are you calling for the Pope to come down and become an average friar? Like, just it's it's all just such a a mess of illogic. And you know why? For the same reason that we criticize the rationalist libertarians, they don't have a foundation. If you're not gonna stand on God's word. The only sure foundation, the only infallible rule of faith in life. I read that somewhere. Hmm. Uh, the only true infallible rule of faith in life. If you're not standing on that, you've got nothing to stand on. The only true logic is going to come from a biblical logic, from biblical principles. And what is a biblical principle? How about property absolutism? Thou shalt not steal, period. How about self-ownership? You shall not That's murder. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, self-ownership. You shall not murder. And and talk about, like, you, you, you said a lot about enslaving people. How about, let's end that. Okay, that's self-ownership. Which you just, like, it's just every time he tried to describe a positive political philosophy, I'm like, you just described libertarianism. Like that was so. What was so wild about this video is every time he's like, "Hey, we want uh, local subsidiaries ruling." That's libertarianism. We want to fight corporatism. That's libertarianism. We hate it when the state takes property from the church and from uh, private citizens. That's libertarianism. Like it's. I would. I would appreciate it more if he clearly understood libertarianism and argued against that. I w it would give us something to refute, and I think I disagree with him. But like, this was a mess, and, and yeah, and, and as Patrick says, bingo. No standard means any standard. No standard means any standard, and those standards are just opinions, and that's exactly right. Like I, and again, in this sermon. He quoted from a Christmas carol more than he quoted from the Bible. In that text he quoted, he quoted in the most disconnected, non sequiturial, I don't know how to say how that, that's not a word, but way possible. He would just drop it in the middle of his inane ramblings. And I was just, this is a great f argument for expository preaching, if I've ever heard one. Hmm.
Like, just... For the very least, you've got something to hook your hat into. Namely, the text. If nothing else, you can connect thought to text. I know we're on this verse. I'm following you here. And it prevents us from this nonsense of declaring your ideas and just expecting people to accept it. Like, really, what else is he doing here, right? He's just stating his his opinions in a very disconnected, disjointed way, and he's just expecting his people to accept it. When I preach, that is not what I'm doing. I don't stand up and I say, here is my thoughts, you need to accept it. I open God's word, I stand on the firmer foundation than my opinions can ever hold, and I challenge them to be Bereans, to check what I'm saying against the word that I have opened in front of them. And if I go off the rails, you call me back. Like, well, an exp- expository yeah. preaching itself is simply a method to try to ensure that the point of the text is the point of the sermon. And the point of this sermon was well summarized as uh, libertarianism is a sin or liberalism is a sin or however you might want to phrase that. Um, And it's not the point of the text. It's not the point of the text. Absolutely not. You cannot serve God and, and mammon. That, that's the point of the text. It's the the point of the text was actually chronically underserved. Yeah. Because the point of the sermon strayed so far from the point of the text, which is why you know in our in our regular um, in our regular episodes where we're walking through a passage of scripture we might not actually bring as many political applications as people might expect or or hope that we would because we're trying to stick to the point of the tax and and yes we will i, I we will sometimes draw out implications because yeah. that's the point of what we're doing here we're not preaching yeah. um we're not preaching to our congregations we're in fact doing this in part because we do think that it would be inappropriate to veer this far off into Austro-Libertarianism <laughs> um, in, in the context of a sermon to our congregation, congregations. Um, but um, uh, but we, still, we still feel that pull <laughs> to, to center up on the point of the text, which, um, which sometimes leads us to talk a lot less politics than <laughs> than you might expect um just because some texts don't have as much politics as others yeah. they don't have as many yeah. political implications let's say as others yeah. yeah yeah and of course there's a difference between and this is this is where there's a distinction to be made between meaning and application uh interpretation and application what the text means, we are a slave to that. We need to lean hard on that and stand on that, especially when preaching. 
Um, applications, we're a little more free on that. There's lots of ways you can right. apply a passage. Uh, and, and if he wants to go hard at the text, defining the text and defining it against Catholic tradition or whatever he wants to do, and then at the end make application and say, this is why I don't see how a Catholic can be a libertarian. Well, I still disagree with your application. I think it's wrong. But it's a little easier to stomach that than it is to say, so here's my text and I'm just going to, it's just an excuse to jump off onto this pet uh, project, that's this pet uh, peccadillo that I have, this thing that I, I just, I don't, I really just don't like. You know, this is this is a pet peeve of mine, and so I'm gonna use the text as an excuse to talk about that. Then you are using God's word to serve your purposes when we are meant to do the opposite. To let God's word use us to serve its purposes. That's the purpose of preaching. To, that God's mm -hmm. word speaks through me. Through through me to this people in this place. And applying it to their situation. And to our time and place. Because, because there are going to be different wolves in the field in every era. There's going to be different uh, false teachings that this is going to speak against. And there's going to be different situations and, and local issues in a congregation. And and local sins that need to be dealt with. But in the end, I am a slave to the meaning of the text before me. And I need to draw a... Sh and I, do, I even am of the opinion that you need to... draw a sharp distinction between when I am interpreting the passage and when I'm applying the passage. I, I'm a big believer in that because I want to make sure that I am emphasizing which part I'm more confident in. Hmm. I am far more confident when I am speaking to the interpretation of the passage, when I'm walking through what Scripture says to what Scripture's original audience. Then when I start applying to it, I am taking a step out of my confidence into an area where I'm like, this is what I think it says to us today. And, and, and I even liked it from there to kind of line it up from what I'm more confident with application to what I'm less comp confident. So starting with really theological application, which I can be far more confident in that. What does this Bible tell us about? What does this passage tell us about God? What does it tell us about Christ? What does it tell about us and our human nature? What does it tell about salvation by grace through faith? What does it tell us about obedience to Christ and then when I move to so what do I think it says to us in this day and time I want to be very clear that like this is the part I am least confident on I'm I'm stepping out on a ledge here and it is possible that I might be getting this wrong like I I want to be humble as heck when I start making applications to my day and time and say this is according to what wisdom God has given me and my wisdom may be foolishness. I'm open to that. Uh, but I want to make clear that I'm confident about what I'm confident about and I'm less confident about what I'm less confident about. And I think 
that's that's another benefit of expository preaching because this guy is very confident in his opinions and he has very little scriptural grounding for him and uh People, and I've noticed that that tends to be the case. People with less grounding in scripture tend to be very confident about their own opinions on things. Where you find the exact opposite. Those who are who, those who those are dedicated to being grounded in God's word are a lot less apt to say, well, here's my opinion. I don't want, you know, like, to, 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 to confidently assert their opinions on things. If they're not grounded in God's word. Um... And politically, our political point for this episode is if you are going to argue with a perspective, understand it first! One last freak out for the world. I appreciate the little bit of extra distance you gave me before doing that, by the way. It was very... <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for joining us for this marathon of uh, a study of, of, of this video. I hope it was entertaining and informative for you. Um, once again... Uh, if you have any comments or anything or, or, or whatever, if you want to suggest a video uh, in the future, you can go to either make a comment on the video that you're watching or uh, send us an if email. If you're a bot, send us an email at lane.kiffin at uh, edu. Um that's right. That's what you do if you're a bot. Uh, that's where you send all of your suggestions for search engine optimization. However, if you have a real question or a video that you'd like to see us respond to or an article or something like that, uh, send it to anarchistbiblestudy at gmail.com. And uh, we, will, uh, we, we love comments. Uh, once again, if you would like to join us for our uh, live stream, um, uh, you can do that. Uh, by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and you can support our, our channel and what we're doing. Um, and again, if you want some more information on kind of some of our goals, like feel free to reach out to me by DMing me or following me at IOANCAP on Twitter. Uh, and you can follow this guy at JPARKYYC. JPARKYYC, which... Uh, I, I, I sometimes am curious what it means, but sometimes I just don't want to know. I want the mystery of, uh, of, oh. it, of not knowing what it means. I just, uh, YYC means Calgary. Oh, okay. All right. All right. YYC, cool. YYC is the airport code for Calgary. And in Canada, oh, that's, okay. that's a common way of referring to your town. Um. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so, yeah, make sure you comment, subscribe, share. Send it to uh, your Catholic grandma who uh, <laughs> you want to give her a, a, a taste of that good old Protestant beauty. Uh, and uh, send, it to, send it to Lane Kiffin. That'll be fun. 
<laughs> yes, do that. Uh, yeah, again, buy, buy me coffee.com slash flyover if you want to support the show, either monthly or as a one-time donation. Oh, That's also an option. And if you uh, do want to watch live, do take heart. You don't have to watch live all the way through the night. That's um, right. You don't have like to. The faith, like the, like the, the faith, faithful bridesmaids or whatever uh, in, yeah. the, in the New Testament. <laughs> um, you, you can, the, uh, this video will stay. We've now, yes. we're now going to keep this video live for a couple of days before it goes live a couple weeks. on the mainstream. A couple weeks, pardon. A couple weeks. A couple weeks yeah. before it goes live on the mainstream for, for yeah. supporters. Yeah, and so uh, and so you can you can watch it at any time, uh, but also you can you can take part in the first part of it as many people did and just drop uh, drop comments and, and interact in the chat. It's a lot of fun in there, um, uh, and also there's other benefits for becoming a member. Uh, if you just, again, buymeacoffee.com/flyover. You can see all that there, um, and ultimately, I don't know what that is. Most importantly. Make sure you join us again next week when we take Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. What is happening? Imagine oh, this shoot. rope. Okay, pretend this rope just go. I don't know. We're pretending a rope. Uh, <laughs> uh, skip the Thank app. you. All right, here we go. Okay. Ah, stupid ad. Do you remember the day you met Jesus? Stop trying to make money. This. The day your life was- I've officially become a socialist. For <laughs> <laughs> I've been won over to the socialist <laughs> argument by watching one too many nope. ads in this stupid video. <laughs> uh.